isn't it amazing that there are, there are times in life when you, you, you have like a, a mountaintop experience where things are going incredibly well, you're encouraged, maybe you've been through some type of situation or circumstance where, where you've been strongly encouraged, you feel blessed, uh, enthusiastic, but, but, but then almost in a moment, it feels like you're tumbling down the mountain into a valley of disappointment or discouragement or frustration. And it's amazing to me how quickly that change can happen. You know, it seems like it takes a lot longer to climb the mountain of encouragement than it does to get into the valley of disappointment. And it is a thing in life. I'm assuming you've experienced it just as I have that like you can have a, a day, a week, a season of your life where things are going well and, and, and you're content, happy, blessed, encouraged, but then literally like in a moment, in a day, in, in an hour, in just a moment, feel like your world is, is kind of crumbling around you and, and you feel a disappointment and a frustration that is more palpable to you than the joys, the highs, the, the, the encouragement ever was. I'll give you an example from my life of how, how quickly this can change. You know, like go back to 2007 and, and that was a year where the greatest professional football team in the state of Ohio, the Ohio State Buckeyes, they, um, yes, they, they had like one of our best seasons ever. We went through the regular season undefeated. We got to the last game of the season where we played our rival, the team up north, who was the number two team in the, in the country. We were number one, they were number two. So, so the game was the game between the number one team and the number two team, like the biggest game ever. And, and, and we come into that game and we took care of business and we took down our rivals. And then the next week we won our conference championship. So we're going to the national championship. And then we had the best player in all of college football. We won the Heisman trophy. And so we go through this whole season where it's like undefeated. We beat our arch rivals. We, we win our conference championship. We win the Heisman trophy. And then we go into the national championship game where we played this team from Florida. And it, at the, you know, at the time there's really only one team in Florida, the Gator. I've heard there are other teams. But um, it was the Gators that we played that year. And, and uh, man, th we were rolling. Things were going great. We, we take the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. Ted Ginn Jr. takes the opening kickoff, sprints into the end zone. It's 7-0. I haven't even made it through the nachos and queso yet. And we're already, and I'm like, the route is on. It, game over. Like, one of the best seasons in our history, destroyed our rivals, win the conference, win the Heisman Trophy, run the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. And then during the celebration, Ted Ginn Jr. hurts himself celebrating the touchdown. Out of the game. Because we have such bad football in Ohio, we don't know what to do when we score touchdowns. We don't even know how to celebrate, right? And so like he hurts himself. And so from that point forward, not that that was the reason, but I'm just saying this for my own comfort, okay? We got destroyed. Okay, all right, calm down. 
The score of that game was 42 to 14, Gators. I'll never forget it. 42 to 14. All right, congratulations, all right. 42 to 14, we got destroyed. The only other touchdown we scored in the game was meaningless at that point. And I'll just never forget, like watching that game, like it's amazing how quickly you can go from this place of enthusiasm, blessing, victory, everything's going your way to boom, you're in a place of disappointment, discouragement, despair. <laughs> that fast. And for the rest of my life, I have to deal with some of you people who are Florida fans because God brought my family here to witness to you, <clears throat> to share Jesus with you, okay? And like, I gotta live with this. And I, it is, it's just a reminder, like boom, how quickly things can change. But that's not just true in sports, it's true in life. You know, like, like as, as a mother today, those of you moms with us and worshiping with us online, we love you and we so appreciate you. And we understand, don't we, that like being a parent, being a mother, especially like, like you, can, you can be having the best day, best week, going through a season. And then you get a phone call from one of your kids or you get a phone call from a teacher or a phone call from a principal or something happens, you know, and, and then it's like, boom, you, you just have this utter disappointment or discouragement or maybe some despair, you know, it happened in your work, it can happen. In your walk with God, it can happen. It's just amazing in life sometimes how you, you, can, you can have these seasons, these days, these moments of tremendous victory, hope, encouragement, but then it can all come crashing down. We all come down the mountain a whole lot faster than we go up the mountain. Isn't that true? I think about being a parent, moms, just, just being around my mother, who's awesome, my wife, who's a, such a great mother, you know, it's, Whew, it's the hardest job in the world. It is the hardest job in the world. I, I, I found a couple of quotes from moms. I thought you would appreciate these. You're talking about, boy, boy, just the difficulty of this. Uh, one mom said, I used to have functioning brain cells, but I traded them in for children. <laughs> Maybe you feel that way. Uh, another mom said, I love cleaning up messes that I didn't make. So I became a mom. <laughs> That's why I just love doing that, right? The quickest way, someone said this, the quickest way for a parent to get a child's attention is to sit down and look comfortable. <laughs> that is a true statement. Those of you with toddlers, that is a true statement. I love this one. One mom said, when I raise my voice, my kids call it yelling, but I call it motivational speaking for the selective hearing. <laughs> I like that. Next time your kids say, mom, stop yelling at me. Say, I'm not yelling at you. I am motivational speaking, okay? And then, and then I love this. Someone said, a vacation frequently means that the family goes away for a rest accompanied by a mother who sees that everyone else gets it. <laughs> that is so often true. You know, being a mom, being a parent is to embrace seasons where like there are days things seem to be going great and you're so happy and blessed and encouraged and then boom, you know, you get that phone call, your, or your child inexplicably becomes disobedient or like rebellious, or there's just so many ups and downs and ins and outs, not just the parenting, but all of life. And so, and so we're in a series called Voices where we're, we're thinking through some of these voices that come into our lives. And today we're gonna to talk about the voice of disappointment. 
I think it's a really timely subject on Mother's Day as we think about being a mom, as we think about being a parent, as we just think about being a leader, being a Christ follower. There, there are times when we have the voice of disappointment in our ear and it becomes very, very, very discouraging. We come down the mountain faster than we go up. We've talked about opinion. We've talked about comparison. Today, I wanna to talk about disappointment. This voice that gets us, gets the best of us sometimes, that voice that, 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 that tells us that we're not enough or things are never gonna be what they should be. You know what disappointment often comes down to? Unmet expectation. We have a certain expectation for the way something's gonna be in our lives. It could be a marriage relationship. It could be something with your children. It could be something with your career. It could be something with your finances. Frankly, it could be your relationship with God, your walk with God. And there's something that happens or transpires and, and it, just, it just gets you. And you're discouraged, you're frustrated, you're weary, you're exhausted. And then there's just those moments you feel like giving up. Those moments you feel like, you know what, it's not worth it. And, and that voice of disappointment gets in your ear and you just feel like, okay, enough's enough. And every single one of us deal with it. And let me tell you why ultimately, because we live in a disappointing world. We live in a broken world. We live in a world that's never gonna meet all of our hopes and dreams. This is a fallen, broken, messed up world. And so what that means is that we're all gonna interact with brokenness. And when we do, even if it's our own brokenness, it can bring a disappointment that can be devastating, sometimes crippling discouraging, it can lead to despair. So I want us to think about this voice of discouragement and how we navigate it, because I have some good news for you. Some of God's like greatest servants throughout human history have dealt with this voice. We see numerous examples in God's word about people who love him, who are following him and who are serving him, but who encounter seasons of disappointment that cripple them and that grip them. And I believe we can learn some things from them today about how to navigate it, how to ensure that we're listening to the right voice whenever disappointment comes to our ear. And so let me give you a key takeaway, all right? If you're taking notes, I just want to just, just encourage you to make a note of this, okay? I just, 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 just want to kind of, Help, help set the context here for what we're talking about. Listen, disappointment in the present, here's what happens. It overshadows at times God's faithfulness in the past and it leads to failure in the future. You know, when the voice of disappointment begins to ring in our ear and we begin to focus on, on how our expectations have gone unmet in our marriage, maybe with our children, maybe with our career, our finances, uh, another relationship, whatever the case may be. When that voice of disappointment gets in our ear, here, here's what happens. Sometimes it becomes louder to us than the voice of God and we forget the faithfulness of God to us throughout the course of our lives. Man, that disappointment in the moment, that frustration in the moment, that exasperation in the moment overshadows God's faithfulness in the past. It leads to discouragement in the present and it can even lead to failure in the future. And so I want us to think about how to navigate the voice 
of disappointment and discouragement. And, and there's actually a, a, a man that we're gonna focus on today named Elijah, one of God's most incredible servants who also dealt with this voice of disappointment and, 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 and had to learn a very, very valuable lesson because of it. He, he, here's who Elijah was. If you're new to Christianity, you're new to God's word. Elijah was a prophet that served the nation of Israel back in the days of the kings. And Elijah was an amazing man who God blessed in an incredible way. He wasn't your average Joe. Like Elijah was a man used by God in a profound way. I'll just give you two quick examples. There was a time where Elijah was sent to to prophesy to the nation of Israel and to the ungodly leadership within the nation. And there was a great famine, a great drought, but yet in the midst of all of that, God literally provided for Elijah so that he was cared for in a miraculous way. And through all that whole season, Elijah personally saw how God was taking care of him, even as he was bringing judgment on the people around him. And then there's this incredible, incredible scene where Elijah is confronting the prophets of Baal, all these false prophets, worshiping these false gods in the nation. And, and, and this was motivated by the king, King Ahab. And Ahab was a wicked king. He was married to a wicked woman, okay? Uh, a woman named Jezebel. Yes, that Jezebel. Did you notice that none, none of the beautiful Daughters on stage today at our family dedication were named Jezebel. Can you imagine that? Here is the so-and-so family. They're dedicating their daughter, Jezebel. May Jezebel grow up and kill the Lord's prophets. And I mean, we don't name our children Jezebel for a reason because this Jezebel was an ungodly woman married to an ungodly man, an ungodly king, Ahab. And he had like commissioned the prophets of Baal to lead the nation of Israel away from God. And so Elijah shows up and you've got these incredible situations where God's like meeting his needs and God's working through him powerfully. And maybe the most powerful example of this is when Elijah confronts the prophets of Baal and he says, all right, boys, it's time to prove to the nation who the one true and living God really is. Because it's not the prophets of Baal. It's not the gods of Baal. It, no, 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 no. It's, listen, it ain't happening through any of them. It, it, it's the God who saved us out of Egypt and the God who's revealed his glory to us time and time again. So let's have a little show down here. Think Wild West. But here's what happened. Elijah said, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna offer sacrifices each to our own God. You to your, to your false God, Baal, and me to the one true and living God. And we're gonna see as we offer these sacrifices, which God brings fire down to, 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 to demonstrate and to prove that he exists, right? And so Elijah sets up the prophets of Baal, they have their sacrifice. They're calling out to their false God, who's not a God, doesn't, doesn't exist. And guess what? Nothing happens. And Elijah goes full-blown Corey Abney on him. And he just starts making fun of him, which is exactly what I would do. I'm like, Elijah is a guy I could hang out with, right? Because he starts just giving it to him. Oh, maybe your God's taking a nap. Why don't you yell a little bit louder? Oh, he even says this at one point. Maybe he had to take a little bathroom break. I mean, he's just giving it to him. I love that. He knows these aren't, these aren't 
real gods. He knows how evil Ahab and Jezebel are. And so he's just taunting these, these prophets of Baal and nothing happens. And Elijah says, boys, let me show you how it's done. He says, before I call on the one true and living God to, to bring fire on this altar, go ahead and pour water on it. I just want you to see there is nothing that can stop the one true and living God. They, they douse the altar with water and Elijah calls on the Lord and guess what? Fire consumes everything. And the people are like, wow, we messed up. And they take the prophets of Baal, they have them killed. They eradicate them from their kingdom. And, um, and Elijah's feeling pretty good. He just took the opening kick of the 2007 national championship game back for a touchdown. Man, he's on cloud nine. And here's what the scripture says in 1 Kings 18. This is the very last word of, of chapter 18. And the Lord gave special strength to Elijah and he tucked his cloak into his belt and he ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way back to the entrance of Jezreel, which was the capital. Here's what's happening. Elijah is so fired up. And of course, the men's um, clothing choices back in that day were a little bit different than today. And they had these like robes or, well, whatever they were. And uh, he had to tuck it in so it didn't cause him to trip. And he, he's hightailing it back to Jezreel because when Ahab gets back, Elijah's gonna be there waving at Ahab as he drives by. Hey man, remember we just had all your prophets killed? Ha <laughs> ha, you have a great day. All right, dude, it's time. I mean, it's, he's gonna get back. Hey, it's time to turn to the Lord. He hightails it back to Jezreel. He's like, it's on. And, and he's so encouraged. He's so overwhelmed with, with, with just like, like, like power. Like the Lord's giving him special strength. He gets back there. He's waiting on Ahab to get back. And he's like, man, this is gonna spark revival in the nation. Now it's gonna be time to return to the Lord. He's so fired up and he gets back. And then look at what happens next when Ahab gets to the city. When Ahab gets home, he told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, including the way that the prophets of Baal were all killed. And Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods, the gods who were just proven to be not gods at all, strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. In other words, You've ran all the way back here for nothing. You think I'm impressed with what you've done? You think I'm motivated to turn to your God? You think I'm gonna repent of what I've done in the past? You think I am going to change my course? No way. Which is why we don't name our children Jezebel. Oh, when some of my kids were coming through who were strong-willed, I thought about renaming them Jezebel. Jezebel's like, no, 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 no. You know what you did to the prophets of Baal? This is what's gonna happen to you by tomorrow. By this time tomorrow. And you would think that after all God has done through Elijah, that Elijah would send a message back to Jezebel and say, bring it on. I mean, isn't that what you would expect to see? The Lord cared for me. When there was no food or drink, he, he took care of me. The Lord has already proved, he literally, literally hours ago, the Lord just proved his faithfulness to me at Mount Carmel. 
bring it on, Jezebel. You think I'm scared of you? That's not what happened. The voice of disappointment and the reality of disappointment was so profound in Elijah that check this out. He was overcome with fear and he fled for his life. He checked out. And so he went to Beersheba, a little town in Judah, and he left his servant there. And then check this out. He went alone into the wilderness. Why? Because he's checking out, he's done. And he traveled all day and he sat down under a solitary broom tree and he prayed that he might die. And he said, Lord, I have had enough. He said, take my life for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. I said, I'm, I'm done. I'm tired of dealing with these people. I'm tired of dealing with their rebelliousness. I'm tired of dealing with their ungodliness. God, I'm serving you. God, I'm doing what you want me to do. And it is making no difference whatsoever. I'm done. You ever feel that way? You ever feel like, man, God, I'm doing everything I know to do. It just doesn't seem to be enough. You ever have that voice of disappointment in your ear? That voice that flows from unmet expectations where it's like, man, I don't know that I'm ever gonna get where I need to be. I don't know if I'm ever gonna produce the change that I'm hoping to see. God, I don't know if I'm ever really gonna make the difference I think I can make. I mean, you just get so disappointed at times, so discouraged at times, you just feel like thrown in the towel. I mean, I feel that way at times. That voice of disappointment rings so loud that it overshadows God's faithfulness in the past and at least a failure in the future. But can I give you some good news? Even in our despair, our God is faithful. He's faithful. And check out what he does for Elijah here, okay? This is so cool. So as Elijah lay down there and slept under the broom tree, he was sleeping and the Lord sent an angel to him and said, hey, you need to get up and eat. And he looked around and there beside him was some hot bread baked on hot stones. Now the Bible doesn't say this, but I can't help but to see that this, that they were breadsticks from Olive Garden. And, and um, <laughs> anybody with me on that? And, and not only was there a jar of water, but there was a side of the... Um, the Alfredo sauce. <laughs> you tracking with me now? This is how good the Lord is to his people. <laughs> the Lord takes care of them. Elijah's checking out. He's like, I'm done. And, and, and the Lord sends an angel to care for him. Says, hey, I've provided some bread, some water, because the journey ahead is gonna be too much for you to not eat and not drink. And so the angel of the Lord came again, check this out. And well, Elijah ate and drank and God gave him food and strength for 40 days and 40 nights. The angel came and, and, and just, you see here, God's directing him, check this out, 40 days and 40 nights, which we know is significant, to Mount Sinai. Now check this out, the exact same place that God appeared to Moses, God's gonna do a work with Elijah. Isn't that cool? Our God is faithful. In other words, dear one, God's not afraid of your disappointment. He's not scared off by your frustration. He loves you. He has a plan for you. And even, even when we struggle, 
our God is faithful. And, and so he says, Elijah, you're gonna go to Mount Sinai. You're gonna go to the exact same place. In the, in the original language, actually, it says, it, 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 it says there the cave, the, literally the, emphatic, the cave, the exact same place God appeared to Moses, he's gonna come and do a work with Elijah. And so here's what happened quickly. Let me, let me show you what happened. So, so there he came to a cave, literally in the original text, <clears throat> it's the cave where he spent the night. And the Lord said to him, I, I love this. What are you doing here? You're supposed to be in Jezreel. What are you doing here? And check this out. Elijah has a little pity party. Anybody ever had a pity party? Okay, y'all a bunch of liars, okay? None of you raising your hand, you bunch of liars, okay? I've had a pity party. Lord, I've done X, Y, Z, and yet things haven't worked out the way I hoped they would work out. This is what Elijah said, God, I've zealously served you, but the people of Israel broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And, and the Lord says, well, I want you to go out and stand before me on this mountain. And Elijah stood there and the Lord passed by, just as he did with Moses. But this time, the Lord reveals his glory in, in different ways. First of all, notice the Lord brings power through a windstorm that hits the mountain and the terrible blast of the Lord's power was such that rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. Power revealed, but the Lord's presence was not there to meet Elijah through the wind, okay? And then after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. It was the voice that got his attention more than the earthquake, more than the wind, more than the fire. And so the Lord meets with Elijah and says a second time, what are you doing here? And so Elijah goes back to Chuck E. Cheese and has another pity party. <laughs> as if it's gonna work a second time. I've zealously served you, but the people have broken the covenant with you, torn down your altars, killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord says, Elijah, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna go back the same way you came, travel the wilderness of Damascus. And then when you arrive, you're gonna anoint Hazael to be king of Aram. In other words, you're gonna do exactly what I commissioned you to do. Elijah, you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna go back to where you should have been in the first place. And Elijah does it. And so just in case you're here and you're wondering, hey, am I the only one who has felt the sting of disappointment, discouragement, despair? Am I the only one who's wrestled significantly with unmet expectations? Am I the only one who, who sometimes gets weary in my walk with God, who feels like throwing in the towel? The answer is a resounding no. No, we've all heard that voice. And, and so here, here's what I call four disappointment dynamics that then we, we, we really need to focus on today to avoid some of the mistakes of Elijah and to really walk by faith with a God who loves us and cares for us. Okay, first of all, I just want to acknowledge disappointment can feel like a dead end. That's where Elijah was. Again, he just, he just felt like he was at a dead end, right? Like he just said, I'm out, I, I quit. I think about it. Uh, being at a dead end, running, <laughs> running into a dead end. Uh, listen, I, I think of uh, something someone sent me a couple weeks ago. Moms, this is for you. Dead end. Check, check this out. 
See what Dawson got for Christmas. For Santa. Oh, oh, <laughs> that might be the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Okay, one more time. One more time. See what Dawson got for Christmas. All right, what'd you get for Christmas? For Santa. Woo! Oh, man. I wish I had a cell phone when my kids were little. Oh, man. You ever feel like that kid? You ever feel like that kid? You ever feel like in your job? You ever feel like in your marriage? You ever feel like in your parenting? You ever feel like in your walk with God, you've just hit a wall, come to a dead end? I mean, there've gotta be times in your life you felt that way. There are times in my life I have too. You just feel like you hit a wall. You're in good company. Elijah felt the same way. Disappointment can feel like it didn't. So secondly, check this out. Listen, but God is faithful to replenish our re, in, our, in our retreat. When we're retreating, when we're running, hey, make no mistake about it, God's faithful to provide. Let me give you, let me give you a little lesson I've learned the hard way. Our God will give you enough discouraging days to keep you humble and enough delightful days to keep you encouraged. But he's gonna work in your life to keep you dependent upon him. And, and sometimes you feel like you're at a dead end and sometimes you feel like you're never gonna get to where you wanna be. And sometimes you feel like your situation's never gonna change. And Elijah felt that way, but God is faithful to you and he's working even when you don't see it. So third, check this out. Here's what I want you to see. So many times your divine disappointment is simply a divine appointment. Sometimes your divine disappointment is actually a divine appointment. And just like with Elijah, God is going to repurpose you and reassign you for something great in your future, but you just can't see it in the present. And your disappointment in the present is actually preparing you for something great that God wants you to do in your future. So often our divine disappointment is just a divine appointment as God's getting us ready for something great in our future. Listen, I think of the story of, of, of Naomi and Ruth, this woman, Naomi, who lost her husband, lost her son. She was in a, a, an enemy land called Moab. And then God began to work in her disappointment and her brokenness. And her daughter-in-law, Ruth, said, I'm going back home with you. And it just so happens that they went home during the beginning of the barley harvest season. And it just so happens that Ruth began to work to provide on a field of a man named Boaz. And it just so happens that Boaz was a member of Naomi's husband's family. And it just so happens on the very first day that Ruth is working in the field, that Boaz is there. And it just so happens that he sees her and notices her. And all of these just so happens that look like coincidence that were all born out of disappointment proved to be divine appointments where God's gonna show up in a powerful way. Amen. And none of it would have happened without the disappointment. It reminds me of my life, truthfully. I was in, in college and, and I, I sense God calling me back home to serve in my home church and to, 
graduate from a, a different university. I remember people meeting with me saying, hey, what's wrong? You know, I'm like, nothing. I just, I really feel like the Lord's leading me back. And they were so disappointed in me. And there was a beautiful young woman named Christina who was living in Hawaii who felt God leading her back to the same university to get her degree. And she got on a plane with lays around her neck. And as that plane crossed over the Pacific Ocean, she wept with disappointment that she had to leave such a wonderful place. And when I met her on our very first day at the university together, she wept again at the reality of the disappointment that I would be the reason <laughs> she left Hawaii. And she has wept every day since. But it just so happens on the very first day being on that campus together that we cross paths. And it just so happens that born out of our disappointment, God brought our lives together. And it just so happens, right? It just so happens that we struck up a conversation and our lives have never been the same. And I said to her, right? I said to her when I met her, I said, hi. <laughs> and as we crossed paths and I said, hi, she spoke back to me, which had never happened to me before with a beautiful girl. <laughs> They normally just kept walking. And she said to me, check this out. And I'm, this might be a little bit inappropriate, but she said to me, I just have to tell you, she said, is this the place where you get your ID? <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, it was obvious to me what she was saying. <laughs> I mean, what I heard was, will you marry me? That's what I heard. <laughs> and I'm not kidding you. In the moment, as we were both leaving places we loved, there was disappointment, even not just within ourselves and what we sense God leading us to do, but in others who didn't understand either. And now looking back with hindsight, we thank God that what was born out of our disappointment was simply a divine appointment. And I don't know about your life, but I, I know this, that if you came in to worship today disappointed, trust me, hang in there. God loves you, he has a plan for you. And he's gonna fashion that disappointment to a divine appointment because here's the promise your father has given you that, that he works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You can thank that promise to the bank, right? And, and so finally, here's the thing. So finally, listen to me. The only voice then in your life that can move you from disappointment to deliverance is the voice of God. It's not some amazing circumstance in your life. No, 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 it's not the wind. It's not the earthquake. It's not the fire. The only thing in your life that can drown out a disappointment that leads to disobedience is the voice of your father, that still small voice, that loving and faithful voice that's speaking to you, calling to you encouraging you. And when you anchor your life to the voice of your father, you can move from disappointment to deliverance. 
That's the only voice. And some of you right now are listening to a voice from our culture, a voice from your past, a voice from a circumstance in your present, and you are discouraged, you're disappointed, you're frustrated, you're exasperated, and I wanna challenge you on this very special day. Turn down the voices of disappointment and turn up the voice of deliverance, the voice of your Father. That's what he's calling you to do. Some of you are listening to the voice that says, I'm not beautiful enough. You know what your father says? That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Some of you are listening to a voice that says, I'm not successful enough. You know what your father says? I know the plans that I have for you, a bright future and an eternal hope. Some of you are listening to a voice that says, I'm not strong enough. And you need to turn up the voice of your father that says that he will do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine through his power that is at work in us. Some of you are listening to the voice of disappointment that says, I don't have enough. And you're not listening to the voice of your father that says he will provide for all of your needs according to the riches that are in Christ Jesus. Some of you are listening to that voice that says, I'll never be accepted. And you're not listening to the voice of your father who says that through Jesus, he's given you the privilege and the right to be one of his children. Some of you are listening to the voice that says, I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. And you're not listening to the voice of your father that says he made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for you so that you can become the righteousness of God. Loved, accepted, embraced as a child. Turn down the voice of disappointment and lean into the voice of your father that leads to deliverance. It doesn't mean every day is gonna be easy. It doesn't mean that every kickoff's gonna be returned for a touchdown. But it's a guarantee that in every circumstance, God has a plan and a purpose. And if you'll lean into his voice, he will sustain you in every season. And that's the hope that we have today. And if you're with us today and you don't have a personal relationship with God through the ministry of Jesus, I wanna encourage you to reach out to us you can simply text Bell Shoals to 77411. Maybe you're connecting with us and you're interested in getting established here as, as, as a member of our faith family and really anchoring your family to these, to these promises. Maybe there's a need for baptism or something else God's doing in your life. Contact us and we'll be more than happy to pray with you, pray for you and help you take the next step. You can also connect with a member of our team at one of the round tables as you leave today. But I just want you to know on this very special day, God loves you. He has a plan for you. And things don't always work out the way we expect on this side of heaven. But God is faithful. And that same voice that speaks to Elijah still speaks to you and me. And that voice said to John, write these words down. Because here's our future. 
I'm gonna ask if you would just to stand with me, all right? And with this, I'll close out our time of worship together. And I just want you to hear these words as we leave. Here's the voice of God. Here's the word of God. There is coming a day that the one who sits on his throne will be our shelter personally. We will never again be hungry or thirsty. We will never again be scorched by the heat of the sun for the lamb is on his throne and he will be our shepherd. Hallelujah. And he will lead us to springs of life-giving water and wipe every single tear from our eyes. Oh, there is disappointment in this day in which we live, but deliverance has come and is coming in its full finality. And when Jesus returns, he will make every wrong right and he will lead us to an eternal joy where we will worship him and serve him face to face. Oh, take heart. The Lord's not done with you yet. We have a future and a hope.